It's Monday the 15th of June 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Ruv journalist, newsreader and author Sigríður Hagelín Björnsdóttir. Welcome to you. Thank you. Now, um, Iceland has today started allowing people into the country from the Schengen area without sending them into quarantine for two weeks, provided they submit to COVID-19 testing at the airport. Meanwhile, the assembly limit today rises to 500 people. Um, Contrary to common belief, Iceland never actually closed its borders during the crisis. Instead, it chose to take this uh, 14-day quarantine route. This weekend, however, we found out that not everybody has been following the rules. Um, A group of men were arrested in a shoplifting case who it turned out were supposed to be in quarantine. Two of them have the coronavirus and are considered contagious. The world has been buzzing over the Black Lives Matter movement in recent weeks, and Iceland is no exception, with several support rallies, prejudice research and training within the police force, and a spate of first-hand stories rebutting claims that racism does not exist in Iceland. A small news piece about an economics professor who was blocked from becoming the editor of a pan-Nordic economics journal has grown into something of a crisis for the Icelandic Ministry of Finance and Economic Affairs, Iceland's nurses will start strike action a week today if a deal is not struck in the coming days, uh, but the two sides do still seem quite far apart. Iceland is this year's top uh, top seat uh, in the Global Peace Index for the 13th year in a row. The nation's cheese industry has been shaken up thanks to questions from a Greek politician. And the Republic of Iceland will celebrate its 76th birthday this Wednesday, but don't expect to see tens of thousands of people on the streets. Where would you like to begin? <laughs> it's there, quite there, there's the week. enough, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's plenty been going on. I, I think the biggest story of the week it must be the opening uh, up of of Iceland because although it was never really closed down, um, the first flights uh, came in this morning mm-hmm. and and um, and there have been taken some new measures to 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 try to to control uh, the disease that it doesn't take off here again. And, I mean, of course, people are, are sceptical. There are, are many people saying that we are just too naive, that we're opening our borders and, and accepting tourists again, and, and a lot of people are going to take advantage of it and, and come in, you know, carrying the virus and not, uh, and not uh, heeding to the, 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 um, yeah, the measures that the uh, epidemiologist-in-chief has, has put in the country. And... The case of uh, these um, people who were uh, arrested this weekend, two of whom were, were turned out to be infected by COVID-19, they, they, some of them at least seem to have been involved in a, a shoplifting incident in, in Selfos. And uh, I mean, this case sort of points out the weaknesses in the system. As long as everybody is law-abiding and, and follows the rule, uh, we're not going to... We don't have to worry, but people are people, and and we're always going to have, you know, people coming from, from, uh, yeah, different, different uh, circumstances, you know, into the country, and and people are are, people in general are not very good at following rules, <laughs> so True. it's going to be interesting how this uh, how this turns out. The fact that this particular case came up, this particular weekend yeah. was. Crazy is, I mean, coincidental, we hope, but very, very interesting timing. Yeah. And you can look at it from two sides. Like you say, it's a sign that people don't respect the rules necessarily. But also this has changed today. Maybe 
if these if those people were coming in now, they'd have been tested at the airport, yeah, and yeah. this wouldn't have happened. Well, they're giving people a choice. You can choose between having being tested at the airport or just going into a, a quarantine for two weeks. And there are many who are worried that you know people are going to say they're going into quarantine instead of paying those fifteen thousand kroners for the test, which starts on the first of July. Yes, it's yes. free for the first two yeah, weeks. Just exactly, to point out mm. exactly yeah. uh, that people are, are just going to say they're going to quarantine, but then they're not really going to do it. Um, uh, we have this app uh, that, that that can sort of help the authorities to follow uh, people. I think. I think mine is still turned on in my, my, my telephone. It's basically you have a tracking device in your telephone, you know. And uh, I think in any other case, it would be sort of unthinkable that, you know, almost every everybody in the country would allow basically the police force or, or the authorities to follow where they're going, you know. But uh, we don't really give it a thought now because we're trying to trying to be good citizens and we're trying to, to keep COVID in check. When, but, sorry, when we when these new rules were announced, um, I don't know what it was, like three weeks ago, almost mm, a month now, Yeah, um, they were talking about, first of all, the testing at the airport, yeah. and that was quite revolutionary. Iceland was going to be among the first to be opening up again, and that people would have to download and use the app. Well, they can't really force you to do it, you know. It's it's not like that, but it's... it's but... but uh, yeah, I, I mean, if if they're going to put some some, you know, you have these choices when you come into the country, what what you're going to do, how you're how you're going to do this, and and at least you're going to upload the app into your telephone. But I mean, it's relatively easy to to unload again. Well, <laughs> so yeah. if you don't want to be tracked, I mean, that's not really going to be a problem for you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to, um, I mean, it's 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 very Icelandic. I think uh, they're taking. They're they're they're, um, they're trusting people, you know, to do this, and uh, I sincerely hope that they're you know that they're taking the the right right decision. But um, but it's we're only going to find out, and we're probably going to have lots of interesting news stories out of this, I guess, mm. because I mean, of course, it's wonderful that if the world is opening up again, and Iceland is not the only country. I mean, Denmark and and. And Spain and, and Germany, and there are lots of, of countries in Europe opening up again, but uh, but it's it's everybody's very hesitant, and we've never been through this before, and and so it's sort of like a collective experience, huge collective experience that we're making, you know, just using our own citizens and and, and medical staff just to try to figure out how to do this. Mm. No, it's really interesting. And like I say, Iceland was one of the first to announce this new stage. But since then, lots of other countries in Europe Mm. have uh, announced that they're opening up today, the 15th of June, and and most of them without any of these testing rules. Yeah, exactly. Um, So there's different ways it's happening. And And I I actually, I think there's a a different atmosphere here in Iceland than uh, in most other countries uh, for for the last few weeks, at least, um, my 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 friends in in other countries, they sort of they, they're still yeah, I mean not maybe in in lockdown, but uh, societies are very closed and and it's very difficult. You I mean in France you can't really go that far. I mean I think they just recently opened up uh, so that you can travel inside the country, but. Until recently, you could only go like, what was it, like one kilometer away from your home or something like that. I mean, it's 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 terribly, terribly, it, it, it's a confinement that's that's unthinkable, and uh, there's a lot of that which remains in in most 
countries in Europe, at least, I think, and in the US, of course. But here in Iceland, I mean, since we lifted the bans in the beginning of May, it's been almost like a, a, a carnival, you know, atmosphere in, on, on the street. Because even though the bars are only open until 11 o'clock in the evenings, everybody's there. Everybody's out partying and... and taking to the cafes and, and eating at the restaurants and just trying to, to sort of... I think people are using it as an excuse that they have to sort of revive the economy and get, you know, the, the wheels running again. But basically people are just having a good time. Mm. And uh, and I don't really get that feeling in, in other countries, in, in Denmark or Germany or wherever. People are still sort of being very cautious. But because there haven't been any cases... You know, here for the for I mean, very few cases for the for the last month. People are sort of relaxing very much, and and it might get us into trouble once we we open up the borders. I think that's the thing. I mean, I don't think the authorities have said we don't think there will be any cases that come in. They mm-hmm. say there probably will be, but we have to do this anyway. Yeah. And from that point of view, yeah. Yeah, and people basically, to... people here are kissing and they're shaking hands and, and hugging and, and it's basically back to normal in that way. Mm. So 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 uh, once we get 10 cases again, yeah. for example, or yeah. 15 or yeah. even five, and then I, we need to really think. Yeah, but, but, but then it's going to be really, really difficult, I think, to get people back from this, you know... This this open face and get them to to close down again. I mean, it's 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 going to be, it's going to be interesting, and you can see all these you know, different methods that are being used. You know, uh, I mean, in Sweden, the Swedes have been ridiculed for their approach uh, to the to the virus. They, they, what was it like, one hundred ninety two or something that have died in in Stockholm alone or something like that? Well, it's 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 huge. I mean, it's 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 big for them, and and it's and it's. A lot of people compared with the rest of of the Nordic countries, um, but uh, um, but only time will tell which approach was the was, was the correct one. And there is no immunity in Iceland, of course. I mean, even though maybe I, th- I think they said that one percent of the population had COVID or something like that. Um, I mean, that's that's not enough to to get us immune to the to the virus. And we don't even know if that works. No, no. No. Well, well, it's very probable. I mean, it's a it's a virus, but but we'll just have to see. Mm. Well, that seems like a fair moment to uh, move on to a different topic. Yes, we had. I mean, we did touch on the um, on the Romanian thing with the, the the people that had the COVID, and that's a kind of a a link there to the Black Lives Matter movement because yeah. some people in the Romanian community have been fearing mm. a backlash against them. There's yeah. a, a, there's uh, over a thousand Romanians that live in Iceland, and mm. most of them are perfectly law-abiding, hard-working citizens, of course. And they fear a backlash because of what these six men have done. Yeah. And that does very much link into into racism and uh, the yeah. movement that's been going on around the whole world. Exactly. I think it's been very interesting <clears throat> to watch the reaction in Iceland to the Black Lives Matter mm. movement, um, because uh, we have a very ambivalent stance towards. Race and nationality in Iceland. I mean, we are famously homogeneous. There are not uh, not that many foreigners that have been in, in Iceland until recently. And um, when I was growing up, it was an almost an entirely white population. I mean, everybody was your cousin. 
I was just basically the way it was. But then things started to change and there have been more more people coming in. But I think the national character is still very focused on this homogeneous idea. Our, our idea about being Icelandic is being white and being from Thinkersisla or somewhere. You know, you have to be able to trace your ancestry many generations back in Iceland to be considered an Icelander. And I know that many foreigners have complained that it's a very closed and, and difficult society to get into because of that. Um, uh, because there are not that many black people in Iceland, um, there have been sort of uh, the sentiment that this really didn't concern us or, or something like that, you know. Um, but... Uh, but then there has been, of course, we ha we have to sort of rethink our boundaries and think our rethink our um, identity because the voices that have been coming up in in recent weeks are the voices of of people of Asian uh, descent or 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 people from Poland or, or or the Baltic country or something like that, which uh, I mean it's not about perhaps about race here. It's more about you know whether uh, people with with different roots can be accepted into Icelandic uh, society. And, um, yeah, I think the most, the loudest reaction was to, uh, there was this uh, comedian, Icelandic comedian, who was caught on tape, you know, telling some dirty jokes about Asian women. And, um, and I mean, it's just something that, I mean, you, you just see this, White middle-aged guy in a in a nice suit with a with a with a glass of wine, you know, making fun of of a minority in Iceland, and, and it's just you know, it it of course there was an outrage, mm -hmm. and there was an outrage after uh, a young woman uh, half, I mean she's she's half Asian, her, I think her mother was Asian, and she came forward and she talked about you know how it was growing up in an Icelandic elementary school and the kids were making fun of her and they were making fun of her mother and she was ashamed to be you know seen outside the home with her mother because everybody would say something nasty to them or or, or think there was something that they, they weren't I mean it's it's terrible and I think it opened up many people's eyes about uh, the manifestations of, of racism in, in, in Iceland mm. which is I mean it's not the same obviously as in as in the US. Uh, where you have this, you know, your big black community, you know, with this, with with this, with this uh, tragic past, and it's not like the rest of the Scandinavian countries where you have these big uh, immigration Im immigrant communities. I mean, we we don't really have that in Iceland. We have immigrant communities, but they're small and they're sort of scattered, and and you don't really have them, you know. You, there's not they're, they're not so much in the in the in the limelight as as in the rest of the rest of the Nordic countries. We have a we have a different situation here, but we have a situation. And we have to deal with it, and we have to come to terms with the fact that racism is rampant in Iceland, and we discriminate people because of their nationality or their origins or the way if they speak with a foreign accent, and it's and it's uh, it's just something we have to deal with. That's an interesting point, because open, uh, harsh racism on the streets is clearly awful, but it's something that you can identify and deal with mm. perhaps mm. easier than this under-the-table sort of 
microaggressive yeah exactly um, racism against people of different backgrounds and different cultural identities yeah and it's also just about you know the jobs people are being I mean nepotism <clears throat> in Iceland is 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 I mean it's it's everywhere and it's because it's such a small society and everybody went to school together and and uh, everybody is everybody's aunt somehow I mean it's it's so you're always sort of hiring people that you know. And then somebody from Lithuania applies for a job or, or as a, as a I don't know, as a government clerk or as a journalist here at Ruv or something. And it's a foreign name and it's somebody who you didn't go to school with and, and all of a sudden it's a different class. It's mm. a, um, and it's just, just something we need to break out of. Of course, there's an ever-growing group of um, Icelanders of, of colour, um, yeah. people with different ethnic backgrounds who mm. are nevertheless born and raised in Iceland mm. and, and, and their stories have been coming out in this recent weeks as well. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, but I think I, I think that's a I think that's a different side of the same coin or something like that. Because I think the uh, national identity of Iceland is so tied to the language mm. that we are almost I mean if if you speak Icelandic perfectly like you do I mean, you're not going to you're not going to run into. Uh, I mean, people are going to accept you, and you're going to be, you know, a part of Icelandic society, you know, without any any problems. And your your maybe your skin tone doesn't matter if you only speak Icelandic perfectly. But uh, as soon as you you know, if you're if you're Polish and you come in here and you start working, you know, learning the language and and working, when people are going to uh, treat you diff- differently Bec- because you're Polish and because you speak uh, broken Icelandic. You're you're going to fall into a category, into a into a um, yeah. You're you're going to be discriminated against. Mm. I'm afraid. Mm. What do you think is going to come of the of the movement that's building in Iceland now? We've had a very quite a significantly big rally in Reykjavik. Other ones in Akureyri, Ísafjörður, even. It's definitely raising awareness, and I I can see it from from the young people around me, my daughters and so forth. That people are talking a lot about it, uh, and I think generally the younger population is much uh, more liberal and open-minded and less racist than than the older generation. I think mm-hmm. it's something that just, I mean, there are of course there are a lot of older people who are not racist and 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 very very. Uh, inclusive, but but still, you can see just by the voting patterns uh, that that the older the population gets, uh, the more suspicious it's going to be of people who are different from them, uh, different skin color or different ethnicity or, or or different you know ideas of gender or, or sexual orientation or whatever. It's just like um, yeah, the the the, the um, prejudice. Is is more rampant as, as as older you get, unfortunately. So um, I think I think it's sort of drawn out the the contrast. Mm-hmm. It's it's they're they're more uh, obvious now, and people know where to you know place themselves. There's been a, I mean, just here at the roof, we've been having this discussion about because the Icelandic language is very poor when it comes to talking about people of color. It's easy to do it in English because you have this you have this uh, tradition and there are some norms, and you can talk about people of color and and people in the U.S. They talk about themselves as black, and it's not really a a problem. Uh, but here you have all these 
I don't know, these strange old-fashioned words and they sound like something, uh, like almost like something out of the colonial times or something something like that. And uh, and you really, you, you just have to debate whether you have to use, you know, the N-word, you know, as a, as a phrase or if you have to use the word itself, you know. And and people get very aggressive if they're not allowed to use these old-fashioned, horrible, racist words we've been using, you know, for 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 generations. So it's a so it's a, a it's also it always comes back to the language mm-hmm. uh, that we're using and and the phrases and terms we accept. I think one of the things that in in this discussion that's been going on here in in Ruv is people are saying, well, can you apply the same terminology to white people yeah like white person black person exactly. that, that works yeah and, and that's an that's quite a good rule isn't it yeah if, I there's mean, a, if there's a word that only applies to one ethnic group yeah. then maybe it's discriminatory <laughs> it's, yeah exactly it's a it's a it's a i mean it's like i mean it's always going to be a little bit debatable i mean like people of color i mean everybody is we all have our colors you know mm. everybody is a person of color uh, but still, we 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 don't really use that term for for white people, you know. We only use it for people with different colors than than, than white. So it's mm-hmm. a so it's a, a, a it's a very hairy discussion. Uh, but I think the general conclusion here at the roof was just that in most cases it doesn't really matter. You don't have to say you know what color people are when you're interviewing them or 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 talking about them. But when you're talking about uh, racial conflicts like the one like black lives matter and sometimes you have to have to use it because the de- the debate is about that mm. and and then we run into uh, we, we get into trouble and i i think it's something we just we haven't really resolved it yet i think the icelandic language we are better at talking about you know sheep than people it's just the way the the, the language works unfortunately yeah Indeed. Um, okay, should we move on to another topic? Um, there's the economics <laughs> journal. Yes. Um, the nurses' strike, of course. Yeah. Peaceful country. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was supposed to be here today with our uh, finance minister, Bjarni Benediktsson, uh, who who couldn't be here because he is now facing a, a parliamentary committee about mm-hmm. his conduct. Uh, it's a, it just started, like you said, it was a small story in, in Kjernin, uh, which is uh, one of our best independent uh, news media in, in Iceland. And they uh, had to, well, they, they had to, um, well, they had this story about an economics professor, Thorvaldur Gilvarsson is his name, who had uh, asked for documents from the ministry, Ministry of Finance, about why he had not been hired as a as an editor of an economic um, economic um, what do you call it? Journal. It journal, yeah, yeah, like a Nordic economic journal that's uh, issued by the. Uh, Nordic Council of of of, of ministers or, or something like that, and he had been accepted. He had applied for the for the for the uh, editor position and had been accepted. And they were negotiating the the salary, and then all of a sudden he gets this phone call that he's not really 
a candidate anymore and he's not getting the job. Mm. And uh, I guess it's not a it's not a big position, I think. I think he, it's not about about, you know, the financial or 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 the or the um I think I, I don't don't think it was a big deal for him not getting this job. But he decided to investigate why he didn't get it. So he asks for these documents from the Ministry of Finance and they refuse him and his lawyer keeps asking for it, you know, and they go through this um um well this committee that rules that the ministry has to sort of give up the, the, the documents and reveal them. And then it turns out that the ministry had had uh, told its Nordic colleagues that uh, he was not an acceptable candidate because he didn't have the right uh, political stance. He, his, his political past was he was still a, a chairman of a of a of a political party, and uh, he was too much of a controversial political figure to be considered for a job. Which in itself, being the, the head of an active political party, would probably have been that would have been the right decision. But it wasn't that simple, was it? No, because he he gave up that position. Uh, I think it was seven years ago, and it was a small political party that was founded to um, with just basically one goal, and that was to change uh, the the constitution, the Icelandic con- constitution, which hasn't been changed that much since nineteen eighteen or nineteen forty four. Uh, since Iceland got independence and was then based on the uh, Danish constitution and well there was this there was this commission that wanted to make changes to it uh, the, the, there was a national referendum about the changes the changes were accepted but then since then nothing has happened and uh, Thorvaldur basically he was the chairman of a political party that was pushing for the changes to be applied to the constitution so it was a single Cause um, political party, and I mean he's he's vocal. He's been out in the street protesting, and and he's definitely not uh, an ally of this of this uh, government that's that's in Iceland now. But uh, still, he his name came up, and the Scandinavians want, wanted him as a as a as an editor. And I mean he's a he's a. a a political scientist and and is very respected in that field, but uh, the ministry, yeah, the ministry basically just didn't want him. And uh, they have the emails going back and forth between the the ministry, ministry, um, yeah, the people working in the ministry and their colleagues in 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 Denmark and Finland, who were pushing for Thorvaldur and didn't really understand why he wasn't you know acceptable. But finally, just the word came out that a decision was made not to hire him. Um, the The problem was that the name of the government official who was writing the post, the, the government official was sort of, it came out like he was the one who had like personally made a decision mm. not to hire uh, Thorvaldur. And it turned out there came some, some answers from the ministry that were really... They were not really good, those answers. They were that, uh, the answers, uh, they, they had based their opinion on an outdated Wikipedia page, you know, that said that he was still uh, the chairman of this political party, which turned out not to be true. 
You'd have to assume that people that are actually in Icelandic politics right now, at the very top of it, know which political parties do and do not exist. Yeah, you you would, you know, sort of make that conclusion. Yeah, yeah. But uh, still, but then finally, just Bjarni Benediktsson, the ministry, the minister of finance, just stepped forward and said, "Okay, just uh, this was my decision. I didn't want Thorvaldur in in this position, and I vetoed him, and it was my right to to veto him." Which may be true, but then um, many, many uh, economists and politicians have stepped forward and saying this is basically what's wrong with Iceland. That if you are too, if you have, uh, if you're a, 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 an academic and you have, uh, if you have uh, opinions about politics or about you know the decisions being made by the government and you're vocal about it then you won't get anything to do they're, they're going to shut you out mm. uh, if you don't shut up and do as you're told you don't get any jobs you don't get any positions you know they just give it to those who follow them or or to those who who shut up and it's also very it's it's problematic because um, after in the aftermath of, of the crash, in the big um, in the big uh, um, well there was a there was an investigation into into why the Icelandic banks collapsed in two thousand and eight, and one of the re, re, one of the results was that um, that Icelandic ac- academics like the the economists they had been too afraid to say anything. They mm. they saw what was coming. They saw that everything was was running to ground. But but because it's so difficult to have a have an opinion in Iceland and be vocal about it and not suffer the consequences, they mm. just shut up about it and 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 let it happen. Um, so that was one of the main conclusions of the you know banking cr- crisis of the of, of two thousand and eight that the academics had to have the academic liberty to speak up about what was happening. But if they're going to suffer the consequences, like Thorvaldur Gilvarsson seemed to have done in this case, um, then we're always going to be running into the same troubles again and again, I'm afraid. Well, it's incredible how time flies on this show. But, um, <laughs> that's it for now. Uh, really good point. And hopefully we do get to speak to Bjarte Benediktsson uh, next week. Um, fingers crossed. As I say, The Week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 22nd of June, on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the, the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. Huge thanks today to my guest Sigrid Hagalim Björnsdottir and also to Lydia Gretesdottir for running the studio. We finished today with an upbeat June from 2008 by FM Belfast. Um, I'm not sure the practicality of visiting the Caribbean just yet, but it is at least a little bit easier from today to travel to and from Iceland par avion. Bye for now. We were lying down in front of our house in the summertime, in the summertime. I wish I had a house in the Caribbean, the Caribbean. Caribbean And we could go there Caribbean
Paravi. <laughs>